Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of 2022 for the Sonship and Sexuality podcast. I'm so excited for the many guests that we have lined up for this year. It's going to be an incredible year, and I'm excited to see what God is going to do in and through the podcast this year. We have some incredible guests already lined up, but we decided to kick it off with a real bang and bring in um, Dr. Doug Weiss. Um, he is a psychologist and founder of Heart to Heart Counseling Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado, my home city, my home state. I got a rep. Um, Dr. Weiss uh, provides intensive care at the center and is actively engaged in speaking and traveling, going to different conferences and events. Um, he's authored more than 40 books on numerous um, topics, but really centers in on this idea of sexual addiction, which I'm sure he's going to talk more about here in a little bit. He's appeared on uh, national shows like Oprah, Dr. Phil, and Good Morning America. He also serves as the president of the American Association for Sex Addiction Therapy. Um, got a little connection with his family. I knew his kids. We saw each other during our time here at ORU. And so, um, Dr. Weiss, we are excited and honored to have you on the podcast this morning. Well, thank you, Augustine. Proud of what you're doing and excited to talk to some young guys because this is the time of life when you want to deal with it. You want to deal with it now so that when you're 50, you don't become a disgrace. Absolutely. This is the, the time where the seed is growing. If you can kill the seed, you can kill the tree. Come on. I love that. And I'd love, we're going to talk a lot about that. I have so many questions and I've read so many of your books and it's helped me so much in my journey. And, you know, for those that have been listening to the podcast, like, really got hooked on pornography in eighth grade and was a struggle all the way up until my time in college. And a lot of your resources and books were pivotal in helping me really grasp some of the truths about living free. And so just for me, to you, they're all at your library. Cause I dropped some off when I was there. Oh, for real. Oh, yeah. great. And if you're a student listening, you got to get up in that library. They're right there. <laughs> um, so Dr. Weiss, tell us a little bit, um, about your story then, so our listeners can kind of have a little bit of context for you. What made you so passionate about helping in this specific area? And especially as you're thinking about, you know, engaging with men specifically, like what, what about your story kind of brought this out? Well, you know, I was conceived in adultery. I was abandoned and put in foster care, sexually abused, alcohol, drugs, sex addicted, really crazy. And um, when I came to the Lord, I really just wanted to kill myself and just gave him my life and said, you know, I'll follow you and see what you do with it. And, you know, alcohol, drugs left instantly, sex addiction stayed all the way through Bible school. So I know what it's like to be a really on fire Christian and looking at porn and masturbating and thinking you're crazy. Yeah. And so crying out to God for four years in Bible school, fasting, praying. This is back when you went to church three times a week, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday. Yep. Not like you loafers who go once a week. It's amazing. right? So, you know, but it was, it was intense. You know, I was in the choir, I was in Bible school five days a week, hearing the word of God, memorizing scripture. I just couldn't break free. Mm. And it wasn't until I was in seminary uh, where, you know, God really showed me that, uh, I mean, he spoke to me. He said, I want you to tell your roommate every time you masturbate. I'm like, Jesus, that's crazy stuff. Yeah. But I started to heal. And then he showed me, you know, first um, James uh, uh, 516, if, if we confess our faults until we can be healed. Mm. And if we don't, we don't. It's just that simple. If you're 20 years old and you got, you, you know, trust me, 20 years old, you, you're not changing the world yet. 
Okay, you will be one day, and then you have maybe a reason to be prideful. You don't have no reason right now. You're a student. Don't be prideful. Get under. You get talk to somebody. Hey, so what's going on with me? Because if you can clean it up now, now's the time to clean it up. I got that uh, started to get sober when I was 23, and we just posted on um, our social media. Um, you know, I took my polygraph, which you can see right there. You know, 36 years clean, no oh. masturbation, no porn, no sex outside of marriage. So, you know, that's a long time to be clean, but you can be clean your entire life. And, you know, it just takes some work. You know, you, you need accountability. You've got lots of books and workbooks, stuff people can work through. But uh, whether it's lust or sex addiction or just being wanting to have sexually pure with clean. Mm. But, you know, so when I started getting my master's degree, got moving into counseling. I worked in a psychiatric hospital and all the clinicians there knew my story. And so as soon as I started practice, they sent me every sex act they had because they didn't know what to do with them back then. Yeah. And we've been doing that ever since. Wow. And so we're just really good at it. People fly literally from all over the world to come here and they get well and they get well. Wow. That's so cool. I love that story. And you mentioned the polygraph. I'd love for you to talk just a little bit more about that. Cause I remember reading that and being like, Whoa, that's like super intense. Like you can't like skirt around mm-hmm. that. Like that's really yeah, good. Right. Well, what, what I really it? believe, I really believe every church should do that as a regular ongoing practice for those who minister the gospel. See, the church could be sexually free in, in about a month. She just doesn't want to be. Mm. I've been talking about this for 30 years, and I've yet to have one pastor voluntarily do a polygraph. Now, that says something. Okay, when we know 50% of pastors who are stuck, so I know a lot of you guys are getting MDivs and stuff like that. That yeah. doesn't make you immune. Yeah. Going into ministry will not cure you. Getting married will not cure you. Wow. Getting honest will cure you. Mm. Staying honest will cure you. But the other two won't cure you. So if you're in somebody like, well, I'll get married and then I'll stop this. No, you won't. You need to stop it before you get married mm-hmm. all right? and then get that under control. And if you are married, get started right now. Get under control while you have a young marriage instead of a 20, 30 year, you know, you're in the ministry and then she finds out that you've had 20 years of lying to her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that really hurts. Trust mm-hmm. me. I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the church can be free anytime she wants to. She doesn't want to. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it just is what it is, you know, and no one wants to really get, to like, hey, masturbation, porn, sex outside. Those are the three questions. Those mm-hmm. aren't hard questions. Right, right. Okay. And so, yeah, there, it's, it's there, you know. Um, and we fly a plug for into my office. All my counselors take a polygraph every year. And all my coaches that I refer to across the country take a polygraph. They have to mail it into me. Wow. So that people who get coaching and counseling from us, they know the person is actually clean. Mm. Now, why can't the church do that? Yeah. Children's minister for the youth pastor and for the senior pastor. Mm. that your, your church should be clean plus can you imagine an interview we really like you augustine but uh you're going to go down the hall and take a polygraph yep. to verify that you're clean before you take this job now are you sure you want this job yep wow and i tell you even if the polygrapher's not even sitting in the room it'll help see you know keep those guys out of your church 100 percent. right it's like well you know maybe i'm called to alabama yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roll tide. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting to see too, like with young adults coming into leadership, wanting aspirations for ministry or not ministry, you know, business, engineering, whatever. Absolutely. But this is the time where it really festers and it really festers in isolation, shame and bounds. So, oh. so what do you, what, what do you speak to that? It's maybe that young man that, yeah. He, they, they feel trapped. They, they know they're not changing the world yet, but they know the reputation will be impacted. They may have a, a student leadership position. They may have a part-time job and they're like, Oh, what if, if people find out 
all XYZ happens? Like, how do you well, meet them in the middle of that shame? People have found out and they put me on Oprah, Dr. Phil, good morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that theory is not exactly accurate. Mm -hmm. um, you feel the shame, other people don't feel your shame. You know, if someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm really struggling, never friend, you'd be like, hey, I'll walk with you. Yeah. You know, guys are like that. Hey, you know, if you're that honest, I'll walk with you. You know, so yeah. they're, not, they're not gonna shun you. I've never in 35 years had anyone shunned yeah. from telling the truth, ever. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's just a lie from the enemy. But what yeah. I what I speak to young men is, listen, the enemy's not after your he's not after your sex life. He's not after your your sex organs. That's not what he wants. What he wants is in the Book of Revelations. Mm. Okay, when he when in the Book of Revelations, we, I think it's chapter two, he talks to the Church of Thyatira, mm. and he says to him who overcomes. And that whole chapter, that whole section is about Jezebel, who seduces church members into sexual immorality and the food eating, uh, food sacrificed idols. Mm -hmm. And it's a long teaching on that, but basically the last verse says, to him who overcomes that spirit of, of duplicity sexually, I will give authority over the nations. Yeah. Now, what the enemy is after is your authority, because if he can mm -hmm. seduce you, he can reduce you. Wow. If he can seduce you at 20, you won't get to where you're supposed to go at 40. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's playing the long game. Yep. He's trapped you in shame in your 20s and shuts you up. And then what happened is, you won't reach for the sword that God wants to give to you. Mm -hmm. You won't feel mm -hmm. worthy of the wife that God wants to give to you. So you go find someone else who's easy. Yeah. Right. You won't, you won't. So there's a lot of things going on here. And what's at stake is really your spiritual authority. Not now, mm. but 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Yeah. Okay. Men, men are trees. It takes a good 30 or 40 years to grow one. Mm. Okay. So you're in your twenties. Okay. And there's a difference between male and man. Okay, male does not make you a man. Yep. And it doesn't make you a man of God. Those are three separate things. Yep. Okay. But the time it takes for a, for a man to grow up is a good 30 to 40 years. Mm -hmm. And so you got plenty of time to get this weed out of the garden. Mm -hmm. It will always be the same process. Yep. Okay. So whether you're 20, you're going to confess your faults one to another. Whether you're 60, and you're a pastor of a mega church, you're going to have to confess your faults one to another. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a multi multi-millionaire, because I believe a lot of the people know where you become very successful business people. Mm -hmm. I'm a very successful business person. I make millions. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so um, this is important. Okay. Because it does affect your money as well. So those guys who are like wanting to be entrepreneurs, business owners, coffee shop owners, whatever, here's my clinical uh, research over 35 years. The guys who stop masturbating and do pornography double their income in 12 months time. If they control their own income or if they are business owners, okay, or salespeople, they, they double their income in 12 months, okay? Now take that over 10, 20, 15, 20, you know, decades and you can see the creativity and the energy and all that kind yeah. of stuff that, you need, um, mm. that can happen in your life. Mm. So that's money that the kingdom won't receive because you're playing with yourself. And I've, I've read a couple of studies. I'd love for your thoughts on this too about how your creativity and your drive are directly related to this. If, if you are in a sexual oh, yeah, you might as well smoke pot, seriously. Yeah. You know, you know how dumb you get on pot, right? Mm -hmm. You might as well be smoking pot because your creativity goes down, your, your self-esteem goes down, your motivation goes down, your self-worth goes down. Yep. And, and your, uh, your ability to really feel clean before God. Mm. You know, that's what that really hurts. And you can fake being religious, but really in, in your own worship time, it really limits you, which if you limit yourself in the presence of God, you, you limit yourself from transforming into the person of God. Mm, wow. And I, I think a lot of young people see it very much as like a spiritual thing. And it is, 
but also it has that direct correlation to, like you said, when your finances, creativity, drive, just you as a person developing, like it has all these connections. And I think sometimes young Christians see it as like, oh, I can't be close to God. Hey, there's, there's this aspect, but there's a holistic aspect that it impacts your mind and your life. Well, actually it impacts your physiological brain. Because uh, in your early teens and 20s, you're still developing the prefrontal cortex of your brain. Yeah. And if you're attaching that to an object world, fantasy, pornography, mm. um, you're kind of wiring yourself to lust, sin, and death. Okay. Uh, and, and that's James 1.15. You move into lust, sin, and death. And that's what the enemy's trying to get you to do. Because if he can get you on autopilot, ring the bell, feed the dog, ring the bell, feed the dog, then you're, you can have sexual issues. Or you, could, you could be attracted to people that are more willing to participate in sexual behavior than a really godly woman. Mm. Like what should turn you on is a woman saying, no way. Yep. That should turn you on. Wow. That's like, yeah, that's what I want. I want someone who's got boundaries, knows she's holy, knows she's a temple. She's not flouting around, you know, because there's girls in every college who, you know, they're showing more than they need to because they're needy, they're insecure, they want a man's validation, their dad didn't say they were enough, whatever. Mm. But what you really want is a woman who's like, hey, I got boundaries. You're not kissing me for a month or two, and we're just going to get to know each other. Like, that yeah. should make you crazy. Come on. Because that's, that's, awesome. that's someone who can raise daughters and sons well. That's someone who's probably going to have a strong work ethic, someone who's committed to Jesus, not committed yeah. to you. Let's go. Come on. So that, that should make you crazy. Not like, wow, look at those breasts. Wow. Yeah. Great. All yeah. girls have them. So, yep. but, you know, but if you sexualize them, then you're going to be more, if you're, Doing that in the porn world and fantasy world, you're going to be sexualizing women. You're going to be looking for women who were more vulnerable to that disposition yeah. than a righteous woman would be. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's gold right there. Um, you know, we started mentioning pornography and it's a sweeping reality right now for men and for women. But what are some things that you hear very commonly when you're meeting with people and they're struggling with pornography in regards to um, how they um, engage with it? What are some common things that you hear of? This well, is yeah, it. it's not just the physical sight of a woman. First of all, nakedness is holiness. So what you're actually looking at is holiness. She's made in God's image. Okay, mm-hmm. she might be a porn star, but she's made in God's image. And what you're attracted to is her holiness, not her nakedness. Mm-hmm. Now, what you do with it, in the book Clean, I talk about this, you know, where the angels visited Abraham and Lot, and they both bowed down. They saw them as angels, they worshiped and said, hey, right? But the men of Sodom, saw the angels as sex objects, something mm. to be used, to be disregarded. They didn't see the holiness. Mm. And when you look at pornography, you're, you're, you're actually translating holiness into consumption. So what happens is, is you, you get confused about that. So you don't see women as holy. But the other thing is, is that you begin to create a psychological template of this fantasy mommy who you don't have to work for. You don't have to respect. You don't have to negotiate. You don't have to be flawed. You get to use her and go. She has no opinions, has no feelings, has no thoughts, has no needs, right? So you begin to start creating a conceptual idea of a woman who really is just there to serve you instead Mm -hmm. of you to serve them. And so it robs you of a lot of really key ideas going into marriage. It robs you of really key ideas of doing dating. Absolutely. What do you say to husbands that come in uh, and admit some type of sexual addiction to you um, and they're they are married um and what i guess when you help them reflect back on what initiated what started what perpetuated it what are some common things that you see perpetuating sexual addiction that kind of grew into marriage well married or not i mean uh probably the more masturbation histories than any one man on the planet literally i mean probably between five and seven thousand masturbation histories 
Mm. Okay, so that's not like, you know, hey, I, I talk to a few guys once in a while about this. That's yeah. what I do every day. Yeah. Okay. And so the patterns usually start somewhere between 10 and 14. It's isolation, masturbation combined with fantasy and pornography. That seed is lust. That seed grows. Now, see, seeds take time. Lust, sin, and death. Mm. Okay. And so the season of lust is usually in your early 20s, maybe up to 30s. But then you'll usually get start getting into trouble. Yeah. Sin. Yeah. And then you usually get caught in your 40s. And that's death, divorce, you know, child support, all that stuff. Okay. So the pattern is consistency. Mm. You're consistently uh, hitting your brain, going to boo-boo mommy instead of going to Jesus. Mm. you're emotionally immature at 13 14 15 years old so you don't know what to do with your feelings i got a great book called emotional fitness to help with that yeah but you don't know what to do with your feelings and what you learn is if i feel i go to my bedroom i take care of it and then it goes away but you don't really learn how to feel or what you felt or how to process that feeling wow all you learn how is to medicate a feeling Mm. so you go into marriage as an emotionally medicated man and marriage is not for the faint of heart. Marriage can be just brutal, mm. right? So you're yep. faced with yourself, your ugly self, the, you know, the mm. inconsistent, all that stuff. And your wife yep. is really there to help you. So she points it out to you, right? So now if you can't take pain marriage, you should avoid because, <laughs> because <laughs> you'll be in pain and then you'll go to your little bedroom and you'll take care of it, right? And you won't grow as a man. Mm-hmm. Now she's stuck with a 14-year-old man. She keeps evolving uh, and you don't. Yeah, when I talk to young guys, a lot of them see marriage as the out, as this is almost the finish line of, if I get there, everything's going to be better because I'll have, I'll have a release point. I'll have a way that I can um, biblically deal with this. And, and, and I'm sure you hear that a lot too. I said, yeah, you you can two people instead of one. Right. Exactly. And then (laughs) talk about that in, in your book, clean Two of like how you bring that in and then your destinies are intertwined within marriage. So then the, the damage really is double because it's yep. got you, it's got your wife. Plus you talked about business and everything like that. That's um, why it's so important, Augustine, that guys on campus get in groups of four and six and hold each other accountable every week. Yeah. yeah. All they say is, how you doing masturbation? How you doing pornography? That's all they did is met for 10 minutes in yeah. a dorm room, committed to each other. Hey, let's be covenant brothers for the rest of our lives. So that when you are important, maybe I'm not, you still have someone to reach out to. Let's, let's talk about that idea of accountability. Cause I, I find that when I talk to men, um, we have, I have two groups of men, one that are willing to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to be clean. And then the other group that wants to get it off their chest, but not really abandon the cycle. And I yeah, find one, that one wants to grow up and wants, one wants to puke and go. Right. That's the difference. Right. And That's a, lot, a lot of times what I see is the ones that are fully committed are willing to embrace all sorts of accountability. Absolutely. absolutely. So based on your experience, what, um, what do you see as helpful in accountability, like really practically, whether it be resources or like you talk about small groups, individual relationships, what have you seen work really well in accountability? Well, both works, but I, I really, the group is better. If you got three or four guys, you're going to be more honest than if just one. Yeah. Because you guys get to know each other and you kind of soft pedal. Well, yeah, a little bit, but I'm okay. You know, instead of another guy saying, what do you mean a little bit? What is, what is a little bit of porn look like? Was she like, was that her toes or was, what was that look like? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You get more questions if you have three or four guys. Um, right. They are sexually addicted. We have the 101 Freedom, the Steps Workbook, all that stuff for the addiction. We have a, a book on lust free, which is just about the lust, you know, checking people out all the time. There's a whole book and workbook on our DVD and, and book on that that has exercises in it. And of course, the clean book and workbook is great for just guys for sexual purity. Yeah. They can go through some materials, but it's really important that they just ask the questions. Yeah. When was the last time you masturbate? When was the last time you did pornography? 
Yeah. Are you doing anything inappropriate with your girlfriend? Yeah. You know, where's your, where's your tongue? Where's your hands? You know, did you take her clothes off? Are you feeling her up? Like, what is going on? Yeah. And if you can just ask the straight questions on a, on a consistent basis, whether it's every week, every other week, whatever, you know, just get together with coffee, go sit at the, what's that place? Uh, First Watch. Yeah. <laughs> I love that place. And, and just, uh, just, hey, let's have this conversation. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and if anyone relapses, they pay for breakfast for all four. One other question on accountability is what about, um, we're going to put, I'm going to put a bunch of links uh, down in the description okay. with books, resources, your website, all that kind of thing. What about um, counseling? What do you usually say to people, especially young people, where they may have, you know, groups and peers or maybe pastoral relationships. What about counseling? When do you recommend people get into counseling for those kind of things? Well, I recommend that if they, if they can't be successful with just a support group. Mm. Okay. Um, now the guys who like, they came from really good families and all that kind of stuff, and they just did it to themselves. They're probably going to do okay. Just with support the guys who have a lot of hurt and anger towards mom or dad, um, the ones who've been sexually abused, 80% have been sexually abused, like, like you and the role you're and that's a great question to ask. Say, hey, what was your first sexual encounter? Mm. Oh. You know, how old was he? How old was she? Mm. Yeah. Some guys think at 14, the 19-year-old girl, got, they got lucky. They didn't get lucky. They got raped. Mm. And they don't see that object sex trauma as part of their problem. Yeah. Okay, so that person I would say probably would do good to counseling or in the book, Sex, Men and God, we walk through sexual abuse. There's a couple exercises they can do. And if they have like some kind of real bad chemical imbalance, like if they're bipolar, if they're mm -hmm. depressed or something like that, suicidal, yeah. let's get counseling. That's awesome. That's really good advice. Um, I'm a fan of how I think this next generation is kind of really destigmatizing counseling and really opening yeah. it up. And we're seeing that. And so I'm always a fan of promoting that and getting students really holistic help. And yeah, that's, taken, that's taken 30 years. I mean, Paul said, you know, sanctify your spirit, soul, and body. First Thessalonians 523, yeah. you know, but the churches, because of the way we're trained, you know, I was trained as an MDiv too, mm -hmm. right? So I have all the spiritual language of four years getting a counseling degree at the same time. And so, you know, it's a language issue and, and the church has been afraid of the whole counseling language because it wasn't trained. Now there's so many Christian counselors and you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's really helped. But yeah, you, if you have something you need to really, and sometimes it's the guy who like, I can't tell anybody. Okay. Then go to a counselor because they can't tell anybody and yep. you can sue them. So yep. just go tell them. Okay. Yep. Yep. Get it off and test and move on. And sometimes they have, they have childhood experiences that they're really ashamed of. Like they were sexually inappropriate with someone and yep. they never tell anybody, go tell a counselor. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, don't give names or anything, but just say, hey, this is what happened. You know, when I was 12, I did this with the 10 year old and yeah. I didn't know, you know, it was because someone did it to me when I was 10 and yeah. whatever, but get it off your chest. Don't carry stuff, you know, because it, uh, the secrets are really what fuel addiction. Man, so much good stuff. And I think for time's sake, I'll probably just ask you one more question. Um, but uh, kind of as we're wrapping up, if you were to speak to especially young men uh, here on campus, um, really, like you said, a destiny attached to them, life attached to them, marriages attached to their future. What would be a challenge and or an encouragement that you would have for them about getting clean or living clean now um, that will impact the rest of their life? Sure. Well, I got clean at 23 and we have changed the world. You know, we have a, a, a app called Game Plan, the Game Plan. And that has on sexual purity, we have posts and all kinds of stuff that guys can use. They have in the pocket. There's, it's like 80 plus countries, you know, yeah. guys. Are. Um, we also have this clean class that we're talking about. It's actually free. So it's five hours of me talking about this stuff. 
and it's free. It's at drdougweiss.com slash class. And our goal is to have a million men watch that. Wow. Because it gives them the tools and the information and the theology to really fight this. But I would really encourage you, listen, God's going to deal with you at some point. So let him deal with you as early and as young as possible. Yeah. He, he, he does not like idolatry. He will eventually pull it out of your heart, whether you're holding on to it or you give it up will, willfully. Yeah. My suggestion is to give it up willingly. It's less painful for you. It's less humiliating for you. And it's way better to be humble with a couple guys while you're in your 20s than it is to be humiliated in your 30s and 40s and have your wife and kids damaged and not be able to work in a church or be in jail or, you know, be, you know have your stuff posted on Facebook, okay? So today is a day. If you've not been honest, go find some other brother and say, listen, I got to be honest about something. Would you help me? Listen, guys are pretty cool people. They're not, they're, they're not like going to shame you. Like, hey, I understand totally. Let's yep. get together and talk, you know, yep. let's do this together. You know, at your age, guys are still pretty cool. They're not like all into their whole macho identity. <laughs> They're still okay. We're in this together, man. Right. Yep. So you, you got a team. Oh, are you? It's a great school. Probably one of the best on the planet. Hmm. And, um, you know, just hook up with some people. and you, you might change lives, not only now, but these are times you're building some real primary relationships. I know my daughter Hadassah still has her best friends are from ORU. Mm-hmm. You know, they fly in, they still get together, they go places together, they do stuff together. These are going to be friends for life. Mm. And if you're going to go into long-term ministry, get a really good friend in your 20s. Yeah. Because that's the guy you're going to need when things get rough in your marriage or when things get tough with your kids. You need that brother who's just your brother, not because of who you are, but just because, you know, you've known each other for so long. You yeah. know, I, I, that's one thing I see with... Um, Pastors who have really long-term relationships tend to do really better than those who don't build them in their twenties. Absolutely, that's that's some golden advice. And just want to thank you for taking the time to jump on here. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, sure. you sacrificing the time to invest into students that are listening. I think it means the world. So, um, well, bless you. Thank you for what you're doing. Absolutely. If you are listening, be sure to check out all the resources in the comments um, in the description. I'll have all of that linked for what Dr. Weiss was talking about. But thank you again, Dr. Weiss, for uh, being on here. And uh, we hope all the rest of you that are listening to this podcast will jump in for the next episode.